to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Well, I guess we have a bowl game to talk about. We got a lot to talk it's a bowl about. game that, that they got to, and that's positive. Uh, the, the game itself was not not so positive an experience. They didn't even paint the end zones, man. I, I did know. notice, I... though, that they painted the AAC logo because the game, for those who didn't watch, was uh, at SMU Stadium. The AAC logos were gone. Like they, they had finished their last American home game and they just blitzed those from the earth. And there was ACC paraphernalia. Literally, like we walked out of the garage after parking and they're like, welcome to ACC country. And I was just like, is this a bit? No, this is <laughs> it's real, I guess. I gotta say, it's it's extremely, those... extremely on brand for SMU to be jumping right into a conference in the middle of like extremely contentious litigation. Like, right. This I know some just... SMU grads are all about the billable hours, so that it, it all tracks. They are leaning into it. I guess I will I will in my head count them as a power five program whenever i remember that houston is <laughs> but yeah i don't know we'll see there's, but we're not here to talk about next SMU. year that are gonna that are gonna take me a while to to get used to it's gonna be like do you remember like when you were in grade school and you had to remember like the order of the states like when they came in yeah so you're like oh which one was that like hawaii was hawaii is the 50th right or last yeah and then Alaska. Uh, I don't yes, know. Yes, I think so. But yes, there's going to be there's going to be one of those online quizzers in in the far too distant future that said uh, name, name the conference these teams were a part of in 1988, and people are going to go to their parents and say, "Dad, what was the Southwest Conference? Was that real? <laughs> the Big Eight? <laughs> How many teams were in the Big Ten? What year? <laughs> yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But Big Ten, ACC, AAC. I did notice this wasn't even in. I don't think this was technically an American tie-in bowl game. It was just one of the ESPN, hey, let's jumble some people around. And it was there. It was there. And I will say, I hated that the game was the day after Christmas. Like, I was not a fan of the timing. But I did love, if you're not going to get to so, I know a lot of, players on the team were really hoping for Hawaii because they're like, I could go to Hawaii for free. That would be cool. But if you're not going to play somewhere exotic, like Bahamas was out this year, uh, then go play somewhere close. So a short bus ride to Frisco. That was nice. I liked the accessibility of that. I going into the game. I liked the opponent. I thought it was cool to get to play Texas state for the first time in 40 years, 38 years or whatever it was. Yeah. But uh, after playing Texas State, and can I just kind of start with this? Like, I'm not going to, like, cast wide-sweeping assumptions on programs or people, but that was one of the dirtiest football games I've watched in a long time. Like, can we we level set there? Yeah. It was. It was just a lot. I mean, like. It was the sort of thing, like, if you've ever watched your own team, um, 
you know, players will get heated in certain moments and you'll, you know, you know it's coming and you watch them like do a late hit or get a little extra shove after a, you know, a sack or something like that. And you're sitting there like either thinking or yelling at the TV, depending on your type of personality, just thinking like, come on, like, don't be stupid. Don't, I know you're upset. Don't be stupid. Don't do it. This is what it was like being on the other end of that, except like (laughs) for the entire first half, basically, like there were so many personal fouls on Texas state and several more that frankly could have been called. Um, yeah, so. there was a play where I, and I don't, the quarterback roulette, we'll get to that in a second. I believe it was AJ was scrambling and got sacked. And while he was laying on the ground, a Texas state player punched him in the helmet. And they went back to review the play for targeting, but they did not call him getting punched in the helmet. And I'm like one of those guys that like, Oh, they were dirty. Like that's such a cop out. And like, I hate, I know it's, I don't want to be that guy. And I'm not saying rice wins. If Texas state plays, that's not what I'm saying. Like, do not hear that, but it just, it made the game not fun to watch, man. And this is an entertainment product at the end of the day. Well, it's, it's definitely not like I'm complaining about it for the result thing. Cause like for a while, the Texas State penalties were the only thing keeping Rice in the game. So yeah, that's uh, how they got one of their early touchdown drives. I think their second quarter touchdown drive was sustained by I think three Texas State personal fouls. Yeah, which you'll um, take. And on on the dirty play, when's the last time you saw a player ejected for multiple multiple personal fouls in a football game? Not not it doesn't not the NBA, happen often. Like yeah. a football game. No, like you say that. And I was and I, I made that comment to somebody else too. Like, oh, it doesn't happen often. I'm like, okay, but but like literally, can you remember it happening? I'm sure it has, but I have no physical, like conscious memory of a te- a game that I went to or a, a team that I watched at any level of a player getting ejected for multiple personal fouls. Like I just don't have a memory of it. Yeah, I don't uh I feel like I have seen it happen, but I cannot recall a specific instance, which tells you, I think, that it's uncommon enough that it's not really a, not really a normal thing. Yeah, it was. Anyway. That was the like game. I, the game was yeah. gross. And yeah, then it was just bad. The play on the field was. Grosser. Um, goodness, so. The way this game pays out, Texas State goes down first drive, scores a touchdown, and Rice level sets. It's tied at seven. And I kind of feel I'm feeling pretty good at this point. And then we kind of have the turnover gremlins start. And AJ Paget has. I mean, the sample size, I think, is six, right? Six games, but he has his worst game as a Rice Al. Yep. Um, to the point where he threw two pick sixes. Yep. Did, wait, did he throw the second pick six? Uh, I'm going to, I want to make sure ugh. I credit that to the right person. Third quarter. Yeah. He yes. was into the third yep. quarter. So, yeah, AJ Padgett throws two pick sixes. Gets benched for performance. And I did clarify this with Bloomgren afterwards. He wasn't injured. It was benched for performance twice in this game. First for Chase Jenkins and then for Shoki Etrius, who started the season as the fourth string quarterback. 
That, that, and do I need to say yeah. anything else about the Rice offense? Because they turned the ball over. The offense turned the ball over five times. And that was it. I mean, it literally, Texas State could have done anything. And that was the end of the game. You had such destructive quarterback, like nothing else mattered. Which is something yeah. we haven't said about Rice football this season. Nope. Honestly, it's remarkable. Like six turnovers, including two pick sixes, it's kind of remarkable no, they didn't lose by more. And it's technically it's technically six, but the covered kick that Texas State did they did this all game. The little pooch short kick. But uh, the the oh, muff, yeah, yeah, the yeah. covered kick doesn't count as a fumble. So Texas State recovered the kickoff of the set to start the second half. Yeah, in the middle of, and that's not a fumble. But Rice spotted Texas State possession on their like thirty yard line that they shouldn't have had. So six official turnovers, seven in practice. It it was a complete. I I don't think I'm like stunned. Like if you tell me the special teams had two turnovers and goofed and made several major mistakes in this game, I was not going to be surprised because it's been bad all year. Like this, like. Peyton Stevenson and the coverage and the block units have been solid, but you know, it's just been, it's been bad all year, but man, a five turnover game from the offense. And here's, here's a little trivia. I don't know if you looked at the box score. I just pulled it up. You know who the leading receiver for rice was in this game? Yeah, I I wouldn't have known it had I not pulled up the box score right before we started recording. Those playing at home, take a mental guess. Okay, no, it wasn't Luke McCaffrey. That's a good guess. Now take another guess. No, it wasn't Dean Connors. Uh, no, it wasn't Bowden Groen. No, Landon Ransom. No, Rawson McNeil. No, are you out of guesses? It was Elijah Maharo playing in like is what probably he has probably under seven, under eight collegiate catches as a Rice Owl. He had uh, playing at the end of the season. <laughs> He had two catches coming into the game and had okay. three in the game. <laughs> and he, he had has... um, about a third of his total uh, receptions as a co- or sorry, about a fifth of a co- his uh, receptions as a college football player in uh, in this game. Including it the was... 11 total catches over two years he had at Cal. It was, it was just it was awful. And I mean, I quarterback play was abysmal AJ Padgett finished 10 for 25 10 for 21 85 yards two pick sixes another interception one touchdown pass uh, to who else but Luke McCaffrey I mean Luke McCaffrey touches the ball in this game five times I and there was a couple that I I, there was the the drive actually that Elijah Maharo he had a long uh, like tight end screen mm-hmm. that he caught and got down inside the 10, I think on that play, there was, there was a couple plays that I was sitting there like were really, I thought schemed up really well, taking advantage uh-huh. of Texas state's aggressiveness multiple times where I was like, okay, Tui, okay, we're, we're rolling. Like we're figuring, we're figuring things out. And so I don't think it was that. And the, I wasn't like drop passes were a problem. Uh, the running game never got going. Rice averages 2.7 yards per carry in this game. 
Uh, Dean Connors has a long of 28, two touchdowns. First Rice Owl with multiple rushing touchdowns in a bowl game since Dickie Meagle against Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, the just two full like, Alabama game. <laughs> <laughs> and he did not get tackled from the sidelines. But even, you know, Dean never really got going. Nobody got going. The offense was just was flat and in the moment and as I kind of sit back and after I've digested, I really, I kind of lean back. I mean, obviously it's, it's a function of the quarterback play, but I think we got, you know, fine to meh, AJ Paget over the final three games of the regular season. Like, I don't think he played in, as good in any of those games as he did against North Texas or against Southern Miss at the end of last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was the problem, but I just think he was not a difference maker. And and that kind of was the the vibe that I got from talking with people on the coaching staff. And in this game, I think if he's functional, like Rice had two less than 200 yards of total offense. Like yeah. Excuse me? Like if 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 we have a f- if we can see a functional, you know, day at the quarterback position, take away two pick sixes, you know, get another couple scoring drives. I think this is a ball game. Yeah. Um, but, and that's really what, when I kind of step back and evaluate this game, I just, I don't, I don't know what to do because I don't think we're going to see, we've seen bad quarterbacking play at Rice before. Like that's yeah. happened, but I, we're never going to see one this bad. Five no. interceptions by the quarterbacks. No, it just don't, it just, I don't know. Like, on the one hand, you can say it was anomalously bad in the sense of, like, that's probably not going to happen again. But also, like, why was it that bad? Like, I just... That's the part that doesn't make sense. I didn't... Right. This should never have been in the range of outcomes. Yeah. Again, like he's like, AJ, even at his worst, had been fine. And if you get, like, I don't know, a median AJ performance over the games he's played, like... Maybe Rice doesn't win that game, but it's a hell of a lot closer and uh, a whole lot less awful to watch. So I just don't like. I don't like what went wrong in terms of like preparation or or. Day of that that led to something like that, I just uh, like. Yeah, and I, I think not to. Not to overlap two lap because we got a couple other things we want to hit on talk season stuff and, and recruiting. But this was, you know, Rice signed another quarterback during the early signing period. And we'll talk on that in a little bit. But this was A.J. Paget's chance to right. make his statement of, hey, you don't need anybody else. You got me. And he he failed the test. Just. Yeah, and it was and the, and I think we can read a little bit into where the coaching staff believes Chase Jenkins is right now. Mm-hmm. And, and this is not I don't think this is a you know, we've seen AJ go go look up the third quarter of the Lending Tree Bowl versus Southern Miss. AJ Paget threw for like two hundred and three touchdowns. He was incredible. Like we've seen good AJ Paget. So I'm not burying him after this one performance and I'm not burying Chase Jenkins either. But. They needed anything to the point where they put Shoki Etrish in, which was waving the white flag. 
yeah. and had a quarterback rating of negative 10. I don't even think I knew quarterback ratings could go negative. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shoki. That's not on you. Big Shoki fans. But golly, that's where it was. So, yeah, it just absolutely abysmal. And I don't I don't know. You, you got 21 points on a day where your quarterback play was just awful, which is good. To, yeah. to, to manage to get three touchdowns when nothing was working for your offense whatsoever or your special teams. So I don't know. I I'm going to write most of the offensive playoff as a fluke because yeah. I I believe that at worst you get mediocre to moderately fine AJ Paget for 12 games in the future or, you know, somebody else steps in and takes the reins and plays right. at a JT level or in between. Just give me in between. Like, give me fine. Give right. me not implode. That's all I yeah. ask for. They won the final two games of the season to get to a to a bowl game with 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 fine. Like with AJ Paget being fine. Right. Like, yeah, copy paste. We're finally so, at a point but, as, as amazing as it was to watch this team get like great quarterback play over the first two thirds of the season. They it feels like the program is finally built to a point where you can win games with just fine at quarterback. So it just, it's so like, again, on the one hand, like no matter what you do, this probably isn't going to happen again. It like, this is it's anomalously bad in that sense, but it also like, even if you are as much like process oriented over outcome oriented as possible, <sighs> you usually don't get an outcome this bad without something being wrong in the process. Right. I feel like that there's gotta be something that somebody needs to be looking at right now and saying like, what, what did we not do yeah, during the I feel like to this game? I feel very groundhog day. Cause yeah. I think you're right. Like, yes, it was anomalous. Yes. It was bizarre. But like when something like this happens, like what, what are you doing? Like something's broken. I don't know what it is, but something is broken. Yeah, there's and, there's no and, way you can come out of this saying, no, we did everything right. Things just didn't go our way. Like, it's. I'm, a fan, I thought of, it was interesting, I'm a fan of saying that, but not not in this case. And I thought it was interesting because I thought in we talked a little bit about this. I guess I did with JP on the Blue and Gray preview show going into the game. But Texas State plays such a havoc focused style of defense like they're going to give up yards and chunks i think going into the game i think there was only two game two other teams playing in the postseason was the stat that had allowed more yards per game than texas state on defense because they gave up yards and chunks but they get the big havoc plays the interceptions the turnovers the sacks and that's right. what did rice in but there was so many of those plays where i think to aj's the interception that AJ threw that didn't turn into an interception or yeah, the interception he threw that didn't turn into a touchdown. He just overthrew the guy. There was a guy wide open yeah. underneath and just overshot him. Just a bad throw. Uh, the two interceptions that were picked off, uh, it was just coverage with the, with the guy, a linebacker under the underneath and he just didn't look. And so it was these, these self-inflicted wounds. So I think part how Texas state played and their aggressiveness. I, I think they bet that they could cause chaos and that it would work. And I think they won that bet. Honestly. Yeah. That I have nothing else to say about the rice offense for 
at least two months until we get to spring ball. Yep. Yep. Uh, (laughs) I'd like to wash my hands of it for right now. Special teams. And we can end on a high note. Yeah. Not with special teams. Uh, Special teams (laughs) is not good. Uh, What I was going through the, we had a 14 yard punt in this game. We had a, a muffed kickoff return. We had a muffed, we have a muffed punt return in this game. Just no help at all. Um, to the point where I thought it was interesting. I don't think I've ever seen a team try this before. Texas State basically did like a pooch kick on every kickoff. They just kicked it to like the 35 yeah. in the air. And I think the strategy is, well, if we get one of those, then it worked. And they got one. So it worked. But I'm I'm torn, man, because they brought in a new special teams coordinator who had success at Stanford, Pete Alomar, and he was supposed to fix stuff. And I don't feel like anything's better. Yeah, just, no, it was just mm, not fun. Not fun in any aspect. Oh, we also had a kickoff at this was another thing. And Texas State did so much in this game to not win. Like, they, like right. they they made the opportune plays, but this was not a great game by Texas State. If this is a great game, Texas State probably dropped 70 on Rice. But, <sighs> but it wasn't. But Rice Rice had a sequence where they kicked the kickoff out of bounds. And rather than taking the ball, you know, what they spotted at the 35, right? Is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a 35. They had rice kick again, which again, I, I don't remember the last time I've seen. No, I don't no, think no, I've no. ever seen anybody do that. We're not going to take it at the 35. We'll have them kick it again. I think they got stopped at like the 18. So I think they lost like 17 or 18 yards on the second kick. Just disaster. <laughs> so much bad. Um, yeah. And like, we'll be, in- it'll be interesting to see. I think that if you can, make some improvements at your specialist positions in the future, like get better punting play, get better punting and get a better kicker. You know, maybe I feel a lot better because I think, I think largely the two fumbles were like the, the pooch kick fumble was kind of fluky. The muffed, the muffed punt. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it happened any other time this year, maybe once like, so yeah, I mean, those are kind of things that it, it that that those were kind of moments where it felt like when everything when it rains it pours, and it was right. like no, we're we're just we're not going to have any nice things today. Like, so abysmal day from the offense, abysmal day from the special teams. Uh, however, the Rice defense. Do you remember where we were at in mid September? when we were talking about this unit. Yep. Yeah. It was uh, not a great place. (laughs) It was like, Oh man, like I just hope that they can be decent. Right. And, and JT Daniels can throw for 500 yards and that'll work. (laughs) That, that was the conversation we were having after, after the Bayou bucket win. Right. And Texas state (laughs) in this game, 300 total yards which granted 
this is a top 20 offense in the country going into this game. And let me count them up. We have one, two, three, four, eight, three and outs for the Texas State offense. While the Rice offense, meanwhile, is self-destructing, literally turning the ball over into points, punting, disaster. Texas State has eight three and outs. No, yeah, it was a uh, it was a testament to the defense that this one remained competitive as long as it did, because uh, they were they were playing their tails off, and it just uh, yeah, eventually the dam's gonna break at some point. I mean, it's absolutely unreal. They get spotted a short field after the kickoff in the second half, which Texas State recovers at the thirty yard line. It takes them ten plays to go 30 yards and they end up scoring on like a throwback pass to an offensive lineman who I guess did declare eligible to receive that pass. Huh? Huh? Yeah. But so that's how they got in. It took kind of a trick play that, you know, kudos, they called it. It worked, but weren't able to really impose their will there. And then after that initial drive, the short field drive to start the third quarter, uh, Texas state, for the remainder of the game, totaled 44 yards of offense. Wow. (laughs) So you held one of the best offenses in the country to 44 yards on in the second drive or in the second half. Granted, you spotted them a couple pick sixes, so that made things harder. Yeah, but this defensive performance, it was like, okay, you just got to get three and a half. You just got to. And they did that time, like a after, lot, time yeah. after time. It was if if the result hadn't been as lopsided as it had, was there a better defensive performance this year? Like, the, I guess this and the Charlotte game, right? Or the two. Yeah. And the Charlotte offense was bad. So holding them to a short field touchdown felt good, but it was kind of like, okay. This this Texas State offense is really good. And what, 31 offensive points? Am I doing my math correctly? Uh yes. Yeah, minus and two uh two big sixes. With, with zero help. Zero help from the offense. Yep. It like DeBrail and Carroll came in and had a had a heck of a game. Coleman Coco had some big plays. Josh Piercy gets nicked up. And and that was another thing. When they're having their goal line stand, uh, Josh Piercy is out of the game. Uh, Coleman Coco gets nicked up a little bit. And I think it was Damone Green, uh, DeBraylin Carroll, Van Heitman, and Blake Banish down on the line for a good portion of those snaps at the beginning of the third quarter when they're trying to mount a goal line stand. So basically, DeBraylin Carroll and the twos and they held their own. And that's the thing that defensive coordinators dream about, man. When you can put in your second team D-line at the goal line and you can win physically. Yeah, I mean, no, just a... Oh, it just makes me sad to, to, to talk about it. Oh, what well, a waste. Well, and here's well, something mean, that... Well, I want to say it's interesting because, and at time of recording, we're, we kind of have some, some of this trickle out, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, 
but there's a good portion of those players on defense that have decisions to make. Uh, I talked to Debraylin Carroll after the game. He said he's going to take some time to think about what he's going to do, but he he can return next yep. season if he wants. Uh, I talked with Josh Josh Piercy's folks a little bit and said Josh is going to think about it, what he's going to do. But, I mean, you have all these guys up front, the secondary. Basically, everybody can come back if they want to. And, like, we know that JT has medically retired. We know well, – we don't know. Well, I guess Luke has re- has accepted a senior bowl or a shrine game. Yeah. Invite. So Luke, Luke is gone. Like we knew Luke was gone, but, but Luke is, Luke is going to go off the NFL. Good for him. So those are the the two. There's probably a couple other guys that I think, you know, realistically you're going to see what the NFL says and make a decision, but right. it's, it's very possible that rice returns the vast majority of their defense that played extremely well. in one of the most adverse conditions you could have put them in, which yeah. If possible, are we yinning and yanging from 2020? Bryce has a top five defense in the nation, but the offense doesn't work to beginning of this year where Rice is leading the American in passing. But the defense isn't getting their act together to, hey, the defense is great again. We just need need to get a quarterback. We're, We're going back and forth all over the place, aren't we? Where are we? Who are we? What what is this? Fitting that this uh, this game took place uh, in the weekend between Christmas and New Year's, which is by far the most uh, like like temporally dislocated uh, week out of the year, and it definitely felt like we were uh, not in a real place at the time of this game. Yeah, no one knows what day it is, what time it is. It's all. All a mirage. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe Bryce just needs to play the the week after conference championship weekend and just keep going. <laughs> don't don't tell them it's a bowl game. Just say it's another yeah, regular road yeah, game. No, just keep the rhythm. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So th- that was the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. Uh, kudos to the team. I mean, back to back bowl trips i i've said this on the podcast already and but all worth reading that rice has gone to back-to-back bowl games uh two other times in the history of the program so yep, nothing while, to I guess, yeah well i guess the initial reaction to this is a lot of frustration and you should be frustrated because this was frankly embarrassing that just the le- the output of this game after all of the excitement to get here but there's got to be some balance here to remember that, you know, getting this and, you know, we talked about it, winning those games down the stretch with the backup quarterback that I think all in all, yeah. when I when I sit back and when I was kind of thinking about this season, uh, my first kind of question was, do you consider the season a success or not? And I was going to say yes, because the marching orders going into the season was six wins in a bowl and you yeah. wanted to do a little bit more. You wanted to prove that you were on the upset, you beat Houston for the first time right. in a, a, de- a decade. Was it like you combine those two things? You said you get six wins, you go to a bowl game and you beat Houston. I'm going to be honest. If you do that every year from now until, you know, Christ returns, 
that's a good year for Rice football. Yeah. Like it's not the best year, but if you if that's the base level is beating Houston and going to a bowl game and you can repeat that forever, man, I would take that as a baseline. That's a that's a very good place to be in uh for for where Rice has been historically and uh the challenges that this program faces just from a structural and systemic pre- perspective. Like if this is like, obviously there are going to be down seasons here and there. Like it's, it's hard to maintain, uh, hard to maintain a high level and, and with the challenges that rice faces. But like, if that's, if this is something we can get consistently, then that is something that I, as a fan and an alumnus would be extremely happy with. Where do I sign? Yeah. Like, I know, and it's, and there's a part of me that's just like, you had JT Daniels, I had everything go right. Who's JC's going to leave? Is, have we officially anointed him or not the best quarterback in the history of the program? I mean, not, not the most accomplished, but yeah. just as far as who played the position the best here. I mean, I don't know. It, he, I think he, he has an argument for the best quarterback. I think Chase Clement has an argument for the most productive. And Taylor yeah. McCarg, Taylor McCarg went off and has the most successful. He won the conference championship. And I mean, that's probably, I mean, Tommy Kramer is probably the most successful yeah. rice quarterback at the next level. Maybe you tear it that way. Each four of them gets a seat on Mount Rushmore of rice. Quarterbacks. <laughs> okay, whatever. So you should get one of those guys and you only go six and six. I get, I get it. Like there was more on the bone. Yes. But I, 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 I don't want to be both isms here. So you can be frustrated and also be a little bit happy. I don't know. I, I'm in the middle. It's kind of what, where I'm where I'm landing on this yeah. overall. I, I would I, call it a frustrating end to an otherwise successful season. And if you flopped, if you put the Texas State game in week two and you put the Houston game in the bowl game. Yeah. Why are we having different. a different conversation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like, so perspective. Um, most encouraging part of the season for you? And as you kind of think about it, I think for me, as I was kind of sitting back and processing this, and we've talked a lot about JT all year, and I think we, do we officially have the, like, JT, what the heck was that amazing Houdini play moment of the week award? Like, we'll have that going forward. <laughs> yeah. But I think, for me, the most encouraging thing I got from Rice football this season was the offense looked not quite quarterback proof, but I saw enough from the offense this year, the scheme, the run blocking, the protection, just the overall play that made me feel like you didn't have to have an elite top tier quarterback to go win games. And I think in times past, that's kind of where we've been. And I think we hit on that a little bit, but to win those two games down the stretch and to do it the way you did against Charlotte and against FAU with AJ pageant, who I think is like, you know, TBD, like he's, he's, he's okay. Like he could, he could have a bright future. His physical tools are awesome. Dude has an arm. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he can read defenses. But if you can do that with a backup quarterback, which think back to years past, 
with backup quarterbacks, Rice has fallen apart. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it's been so bad. So the fact that you can you can be, I think we saw, hey, when you have the guy, when you have a dude, this is a team that can beat any team in the American. And that's where I want this program to be. And when you don't have that dude, because more years than not, you're not. That's just how college football works. Can you be competitive in every game you play? And can you win some of them? And I think that the most encouraging thing from Rice football for me this year was that. That I saw the upside when you have the guy at quarterback. And I saw this is a team that can win with just fine. And that's that was very new and very encouraging. Yeah, no, I like I was going to say for me, it's it was the fact that they managed to win, uh, managed to win the two games down the stretch, like because that was absolutely the point at the season where it could have all fallen apart, where all of the promise that they had gotten to up to that point could have just completely deserted everything. And. You know, we're looking at. Uh, potentially big changes coming through if if they don't come through in that spot. So, um, yeah, Bloomberg kept his job because they right. won these games. Absolutely. Yeah, like that's if you want to prove it here, he proved it, and that's what that's what this program needed. And now, you know, as amidst all the other changes going on in the country, you know, Rice isn't starting over again. Which, man, if you. Go look at some programs that are starting over. The lows are low, man. Do, do, do y'all remember six years ago? Yeah. Like, the lows are low. Um, yeah, I think that's good. Um, any other thing? We talked, I mean, probably the the part that has me paused, and I, and I don't even think it's the bowl game, because the bowl game, I, I really, I, I'm not going to fully write off to, like, man, you just had a abysmal, anomalous quarterback day. But I think the thing about, that the one thing that's the the gremlin in the back of my head about this, that the part that concerns me going forward is not really the quarterback. It it's it's the UConn game. Right. Because because for whatever the reason, this team so far, and I, I don't know what it is, but they just have a game where just it everything breaks that it it shouldn't break. And and that is you know, we talk about a six-win season in the baseline. If you want to be a program like SMU, maybe a two, I don't know if that's a fair example, but UTSA, uh, Tulane, you know, Memphis, to, to get up to that next tier where you're winning eight games on a fine year and not six games on a fine year, you don't lose that game. The Charlotte game last year, the UConn game this year, I, there's something in the disconnect. I don't know if it's with the game plan or the preparation. Or I, I, I frankly have no idea why it happens. But every year there's a whoops game. And if you're a 500 team, if you're a 6-6 six and six team, you can't afford whoops games. So that yeah. if there's anything that I, 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 I still concerns me, what, a month and a half later, two months later, I just I cannot swallow that, man. Because UConn, surprise ended up being a bad football team. Right. They finished, I think, it's, with three wins. And notice, like, these are 18 to, I was going to say 23-year-old, but at this point, 18 to, like, 25-year-olds for a little while. Um, Did you see Alan Bowman? got Seventh a, year, my man. Is on, the, is on the PhD plan. So um, this is a fun fact. Uh, Alan Bowman, 
uh, entered college the same year as former Rice football quarterback JT Daniels. Wow. And JT Daniels is, is done with football. Also, you know who entered college that same year? Trevor Lawrence. Yep. And uh, <laughs> he's Justin going to, Fields. He's going to be in his third year starting in the National Football League. Yeah. Uh, entered the same, uh, college at the same time as, uh, like, Fields, for instance, who, uh, you know, now his team is having to make a decision like, oh, do we draft another quarterback so we don't have to make a decision on this guy that we're not sure about and his, like, second contract? It's bizarre. I know you didn't mean to bring up, like, 29-year-old Alan Bowman. or He's probably, <laughs> he's probably only, like, 24 or 25 at this point. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the... Uh, 18 to 21-year-old kids right. playing this game. You're going to have ups and downs like being in this sport, like no team plays consistently week in, week out. You're just, you're going to have ups and downs, but you have to, the downs can't be as down as they have been for this team. You've got to get it to where the like playing poorly is not losing to UConn or throwing six interceptions. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing keeping this program from being, you go see those rankings. And I think Rice was in, you know, I think the athletic does a one a top one thirty. I think Rice was somewhere in like the seventies and eighties a lot of the year, yeah. maybe up in the sixties at one point. You want to go from a team that's the, the middle third, bottom third to the middle third, and in that fifties, you know, range. Like that's what you do. You just eliminate the disaster moments. That's all I'm asking for. Stop the disaster moments. And if you lose, fine. Like it happens. Right. I'm like. You lose games you're not supposed to, too. Like, it happens. But, man, just cut that out. Like, find ways to win ugly. We did see Rice. There were some games that were, like, like the ECU game. You look back to that. It was not pretty. Like, it was not right. a pretty win. Yeah. But they won. I'm fine with that. Like, you can win ugly as many times as you want. That's fine. Just don't don't lose, man. <laughs> don't lose like that. So don't, that's the lose, thing that, don't lose to UConn, yeah. That was the thing that. I just kind of had to get off my chest of the next iteration, next step. What do we need from rice football? Uh, anything else? Just kind of your big picture thoughts. We kind of put a bow on it, I guess, rather nicely on how we thought from the season as a whole. Anything we should should have talked about or that I'm missing? Uh, I think we've about hit everything. Um, just want to see it. It is remarkable to see now again you throw out the COVID year and literally 2018. Two wins. 2019, three wins. 2021, four wins. 2022, five wins. 2023, six wins. Uh, I have not ever, like, throwing out the outlier data point with the five, with where you only played five games a season in the middle. I have never, has a team ever done that in college football history? Like, improve by exactly one win? for essentially like five years straight. Well, stop that. Ask for a team that has improved their win total five years in a row. Well, like yeah. not even by one, just in general. And I don't know. And hey, can I, this is, we're not, we don't need to play the schedule game, but <laughs> next year, Sam Houston, Texas Southern, UConn, Army, Charlotte, Navy, UAB, you got some, there's some hard teams on there. You got Tulane, UTSA, Memphis, and Houston. You got four four heavy hitters, but I'm just saying, 
Utah, yeah, it's, you can, it's, you can it's an underrated part of this move in conferences is despite, oh yeah, and you're playing harder teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like an underrated part of this move is like the, a lot has been made. I think we've made plenty of a step up in competition, but this does also allow you just the the bump in in compensation that you're getting. Uh, you don't have to play as many games where the other team is paying you a whole lot of money to fund the athletic department. And that lets you schedule more games that are actually winnable out of conference. So uh, that's nice. Yeah. You get to play Texas Southern next year instead of Texas. I can tell you every single person inside the Patterson center is very happy to make that trade. That's a win. So good things. I think there's that. And then uh, signing day. What is this? This is my official petition. Fix this. I don't know who's in charge, please. (laughs) Like I was talking to some folks on the UTSA beat. They played the other bowl that was in Frisco. I think it was the Frisco bowl. Yes. And that game kicked off at I think 8 p.m. local time and was a long game post game wrapped up went into like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And then they had to drive back to San Antonio for the early signing period. I think Jeff trailer said he didn't sleep Oof. like all night. And I'm just like, man, you know, college kids, kids in their twenties. Yeah, they can do that. Like I'm not, I ain't pulling no all nighters anymore. And also there's so many things going on. Rice was literally taking their finals, but all that aside, early signing period, Let's start this with here. Uh, Rice, by average recruiting ranking, signed the highest class in highest rated class in program history. Uh, That's the fourth consecutive year that Rice has done that under Mike Bloomgren. And I think he now owns five of the six highest rated classes in the history of the program. Seems good. Seems pretty solid. I, you you literally can't do better. It's There's never been better done before at Rice. The question is, because I was looking at this as I was scrolling down signing day rankings, because I believe they had Rice pegged 12th out of 13 teams on the rankings for the, the early signing period, the 2024 recruiting class. But as I kind of looked at, I think North Texas signed, what is it, 38 kids? Wow. 38 uh, high school players. And oh, is it where am I? Am I looking at 2024? Oh, they have 28 here. They had uh, maybe they've they've changed, reclassified some of these. But the, the it is not not an apples to apples that we're dealing with. Oh, we're we're looking at 2025, aren't we? Where are we at? 2024 but yeah and rice signed 12 players and all of these recruiting sites go on aggregate like total if you get 10 three stars that's might be worth more than one low four star you know like it's yeah. just, just on quantity it's so like a, it's like a weighted average type of thing uh like the right. various formulas are all deeply complicated but uh like there is there is You get points I for both quantity and quality, essentially. So I don't, I don't know how to go about comparing 
because <laughs> Rice signed some the fewest high school recruits in the American. The ones they did sign are awesome. Um, <laughs> I, like, try not to be too biased, but Drew DeVellier was committed to the quarterback they signed in the 24 class. And I'm not going to go through each one of these one by one. I want to kind of hit the high points. If you're curious, go subscribe on Patreon. I have a blow by blow of each position group, all the guys that they signed, who's coming in, how they fit. But uh, the quarterback, highest rated quarterback they've signed yet under Bloomgren was committed to TCU to play baseball. Decommitted from TCU to play baseball and Rice scooped him up, I guess, before he was out on the open market long enough. He's going to play baseball and football at Rice. It's the plan right now. So two sport guy. Uh, Caleb Blanton, linebacker, was a Houston touchdown club uh, finalist from from Texas in Houston from Manville. And then Owen Carter uh, was one of the best wide receivers in the state. So they got some guys coming in. I really like on offense, but I really want to talk a little bit about a couple of the transfer pieces because we mentioned him earlier. And I don't know last year. I remember having a conversation with you. I think it might, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but we talked about, you know, what if JT Daniels, like he'd be an interesting <laughs> fit. What a and time. then like the next the next day he committed or that announcement was made or however it happened. Um, and then we kind of circled back up and laughed about it. I don't think we ever talked specifically about EJ Warner, but I do remember talking with somebody else making my list, you know, of who would be my my top targets of if you could go get anybody that you could get, like, you know, DJ you was not coming to, <laughs> you don't think so to rice I, I don't you know probably not the five-star guys unlikely or you know bloom didn't recruit any of these younger five stars when they were <laughs> sophomores and in the high school but you know of the guys you could get I, I ej warner was at the top of my list and when that came through man what this offense did with with JT and now you have another elite passer kind of what was your reaction when you saw that were you dancing are you still dancing how do you feel I was a little surprised at first um and then I don't know kind of went through stages of like I, I like I looked up I was like what what, what were even for his numbers because I I had like an inkling that he was pretty good and then I checked his numbers and they were like kind of better as a freshman, a little trailed off the season. And then I kind of did a little more digging and looked at, you know, who he was throwing to at Temple and stuff and watched just like a little bit of I'm not even going to say I like I like <laughs> I like grinded the tape. It was like like I watched some highlights like. You the excitement, it's been a slow burn like he's been it's it's like I wasn't leaping for joy at first, but the. um the longer it sits, the happier I am. And that's even absent the context of uh, of the quarterbacking in the bowl game. So uh, with that added in, yes, I'm 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 very happy that he's in the fold right now. I'm pumped, man. Led the American in passing, picked up right after JT this year, did it again. And had just a terrible, terrible offensive situation with no help. So. You know, we and we just finished talking about man, if you can get fine quarterback play, I think you can get better than fine with DJ right. Warner. And 
and he has multiple years of eligibility remaining. Yeah. So I'm just, you, you needed, especially if, if we had, think about where we would be right now if the bowl game had happened and then there hadn't been. I'm not saying EJ Warner is the guaranteed solution. Savior will fix everything. But if we were where we were right, right now and we, the depth chart was as it was with without a transfer coming in that had proven production in the American. I would I would be pretty uh, worried. Yeah, uh, the it's much easier to sort of uh, let go of the results of the bowl game as a like, well, that was terrible. At least it's over type of thing uh, with n- knowing that they have order than it would have been otherwise uh, be a lot more. Be a lot more anxiety right now uh, if if they did not have him. Yeah, a couple other notes that I thought were interesting. Uh, the the Bushnell Cup is given annually to the best defensive player in the Ivy League. I had not heard of the Bushnell Cup until recently, or at least I <laughs> thought it was I thought it was a I, pair of binoculars. Yeah, I cannot claim to have uh, to have been familiar with it. But the point is, uh, Rice signed the runner-up for the best defensive player in the Ivy League this uh, December, Charlie Lewis uh, from Dartmouth. Uh, I mean, you got uh, Coleman Coco from Colgate last year, and we saw how that turned out. I'm not saying that this guy is Coleman Coco, but he was better. I guess Colgate's not technically an Ivy League school, right? It is not. It's not, but it it's Ivy League adjacent in my head. The vibes uh, are similar. Northeastern yeah. private school. Yeah. So, you, I mean, this guy is a monster, and you would you would take him and put him in. So more pass rushers is always good. Like, if you can get a quarterback, you can get some pass rushers, and you can get some corners. Like, that'll do it. That'll work. That'll do it. Maybe a wide receiver. I think I'm going down the the, the NFL pay scale list. Like, is that just yeah, about it? Much. Yeah, so you got those two guys, and you got uh, Alex Bachetta, who is a punter and kicker from Penn State, who is the number one uh, number one kicker or number one sorry number one punter in the country. Cole's kicking does those rankings when he came out a couple years ago. <laughs> so you got to fix it, man. You got a guy. I don't. Again, these are you know these are transfers. You don't know. Like your hit rate's probably fifty fifty, but you would rather have the scratch offs than not have them at this point. So I think they answered a lot of questions. Anything that you, anything they missed that, uh, that is still on your wish list of, I wish they got as you're kind of looking through, uh, again, we don't have to hit on all of these guys, but, but the guy, what they did bring in. Mm. I wouldn't have hated a, uh, a, a portal guy at wide receiver uh, with Luke going out just like they have guys, they have guys we like at that position right now, but um, that's a big old hole in the lineup. That's it never hurt, never hurt to have more bodies at Um, other than that. I just running back. Did they sign a high school running kind of, uh, not really, um, is the answer. I don't, it depends on what recruiting service you look at. Uh, Reese Phillips is a 
fullback, tight end, H back, you know, yeah. all purposey kind of guy. I think you're, you're Jagger Bull or Jager nah. Bull. Yeah. Yeah. That you, that's Reese Phillips. So you're not going to, maybe he'll line up as a true, you know, running back, tailback at some point, but I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, that didn't happen. So no, no high school running back. They did get Coleman Bennett, uh, a guy from not Bush now, but Buck now, the college, um, one of the all purpose leaders in that conference. You know, I think it'll be all right. He's kind of a, a bit he he reminds me a lot of how Dean Connors plays, honestly. Um, which I like that, but no high school running back. They had one committed for a while. <clears throat> he <laughs> did committed and then I don't think he signed anywhere. So hmm. which you know if I would if, if my kids ever have a athletic scholarship lined up for just about anywhere to get your college paid for, but especially do it rice. I would encourage them. But yeah. Rice. Yeah. But I think that's it. I wanted to echo. I agree. I take, if what we've seen over the, the Bloomgren era at the wide receiver position is take as many shots as you can, because you've had home runs. Like you got Brad Rosner, you got Luke McCaffrey. That, I don't know if Isaiah Asdale was a home run. He was a solid double. Yeah. Like, and if, if you tell me, if you could guarantee me, you just get a cup every other year, you get a double. Like I sign me up. Like that was, that's yeah, the kind that's of guy a, you that's need a for fine this offense. Yeah, that's fine. So I think you got to take a shot. I think we see what happens. I've been kind of surprised. There's been a ton of portal activity, like after this round of bowl games. And I kind of knew that we'd have some after, you know, the playoff teams and kind of how that went right. down. But there's been a lot of like, like Ole Miss's starting running back just yeah today that we're recording and so like who knows who's knows who's going to be available by the time we get to spring but i'd like to see them add another guy i I think you could use you could use kind of a a slot guy to take over for luke i think if you can find him i think that probably is going to be easier to find i think you got it i think rosson has to become your ex next year maybe owen carter steps up and fills that role he probably he might be able to so you got some options, but yeah, I, I want a veteran guy that at worst case, he becomes Matt Sykes, who I think yeah. had one collegiate reception at Rice and it just never panned out. Mm-hmm. I guess fine. Take the shot. If he's not better than what you have, awesome. What you have is, is, is good. Right. Like, that's great. But take the shot. I, I'm in li- full alignment there. Okay. Uh, anything else? That's- We've... Uh- We've hit That's on quite it, the grab bag here. The bowl game, season, recruiting. I guess in a month we have the official national signing day, which I think might be honestly pretty quiet. Like whatever if, they might grab another transfer or two. I guess it's the one quiet for most teams these days. So yeah, it's we gotta fix it, man. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, we have like, to go back. Like just just well, put. I think just, I think you have to have. Like there has to be something portal wise has to be able to happen in between like the fall and January. Yeah. yeah, Like for for the early enrollees. I I don't know if you move the portal. I I don't know how you do that, but like something has to happen there. But I think the theory of like, it'll be better for high schoolers. I don't know, man. Like, I think it's just one more thing that 
it's just not worth it. Like there's there's too much going on. Make it do it do it in February. That way you don't have what happened to all of LSU's defensive signees who right. LSU just fired their entire defensive staff basically like after signing day in the bowl game. Like that's I hate that, man. Like for the kids. Yeah. It's such a like the whole thing is a mess right now and I I don't know if there's a logical way to fix all of it, but you can at least you can at least bring some clarity to some of it if you just go back to yeah. College, uh, high school, high school, in February. High school signing days in February. Yeah, just go do, back to do, that. Do portal in late November, beginning of December. The middle of December is hiring, firing season for coaches and bowl games. And like, let's just can we just do one thing at a time? Seriously, like, please? yeah. Like for the sa- the sanity of everyone involved, and me. Like, just I'm going to be a little bit selfish, but like, just please. I don't know, but yeah, that's my official you know, wish as we close out. I guess Christmas is over, but this will be a New Year's wish. Can I have that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A resolution for college football. That's all I got. Uh, I think it's at Shop at Home Field. Go get your uh, Love You Blue shirt. Carter and I were just discussing before this. We got an event coming up that's sponsored by Home Field that we'll be at, and we're trying to decide which Home Field shirt that we will wear, and it's hard. And I am yeah. indecisive. And I think this is as much pre-planning as I've put into an event where I have to <laughs> wear a T-shirt in yeah, maybe my I, entire life. I guess it's worth saying if uh, if, we're, if we're at this point, like uh, we're this far into the podcast, if you're still listening, if any of you out that are listening are Split Zone Duo fans and you listen to this uh, before Saturday and you'll be at the, uh, the live show on Saturday, Matt and I will both be there. So uh, come find us and say hi. Yeah, please do. That would be fun. Go wear your... Uh... I guess you'll if you're a Rice fan, you'll wear your Love You Blue. But, you know, whatever you want. If you have any random ones. I'm hoping they have just, like, a completely off-the-wall, slippery lock, Colorado School of Mines. They'll have something there. I'm going to grab something. It'll be good. Use the code ROOST. Get 20% off your first order. Go get, you, go get that lovely Love You Blue shirt that wasn't sued by the NFL. University of Houston, <laughs> we're looking at you. I um, think that's it. We hit everything. That yeah. was... That was a lot. It's been a long time coming. This was fun. There are better days ahead. Spring yeah, ball in uh, a couple weeks. You know, the clock. That, uh, yeah. So that'll put a bow on the 2023 season for us as the calendar, given that it's already 2024. Um, but we'll be back uh, probably around the official national signing day, such as it is to, to update any developments since then. But uh, it's been good uh, talking to y'all. Uh, this year. So we'll see you again soon and rise fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.